some of us struggle with the fact that we don't even know our fathers. For whatever reason, maybe he's not a part of our lives. And God, I know that's hard. And I know that there are some people that avoid church on Father's Day for that reason. God, but I just pray right now for those hearts that are hurting. I pray that they realize that they are a child of God. They, they do have a father, a father that loves them more than any human being ever could. One who cares for them and loves them, continuously reaching out to them. God, I pray that they would feel your love right now. As we look into your word and we see how you love us and how you speak to us. God, sometimes that comes through correction. And Lord, we know that. But we know that you correct us because you love us. So Lord, right now, speak to us. Show us what you would have for us to learn about you this morning. And God, wrap us up in your arms like only you can. For it's in Jesus' holy name I do pray. Amen. You can be seated. We're in a series called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. We're talking about the life of Joseph. And I really kind of chose this name because the house of Jacob is getting an extreme makeover. You know, Jacob is Joseph's father. Jacob's got some issues. Joseph's got some issues. Joseph is Jacob's favorite, and all of his brothers know that. So much so that they want to kill him. They ended up deciding not to kill him. They make some money off of him, sell him into slavery. He's got a jacked up family. He really does. I mean, Joseph has got a jacked up family. And some of you in here today, you've got a jacked up family. Your family unit sucks. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your great aunt, great uncle, grandmother, grandfather, stepmama, in-laws, whatever. Your family unit sucks. This is what I want to say to you today. That's why we're here. You don't have a family. Your family's in bad shape. You come here. We will be your family. Amen. Amen. Now, we won't be your daddy because we got one daddy. That's right. We call him Abba Father. Amen. Yeah. But we'll be your brothers and your sisters, and we'll come alongside of you, and when you're hurting, we'll pray with you, and we'll go with you to your daddy to talk to your daddy, and we'll say, hey, Remember this, we are all in this together because we are a family. And if we ever stop behaving like a family, we might as, all, all, might as well all go home because there's no point in us doing this anymore. We are supposed to be a family, a family of God, treating each other like family. That's the purpose. So that when one of your brothers or sisters are hurting, you go to them and you say, man, I'm hurting. I don't know what to do. And they go, come on, let's go talk to the Father. Let's go talk to the Father. Now, we see a picture in Joseph's life of, of just a messed up family, right? So Joseph, it's like one bad straw after another. His luck just, he just can't catch a break, right? We, we kept seeing that. He got sold into slavery. He, he went to work for a guy and, and then uh, ended up getting falsely accused of something, went to jail. He talked to a bunch of guys and told them, hey, man, I can interpret dreams. Let me interpret some of your dreams. And they end up forgetting about him once they get out of jail. 
Stuck there a few more years. He's still in jail. And finally, things turn around for Joseph from an earthly perspective. Things happen in such a way that he's able to interpret dreams for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh calls him in and says, you know what, man? You are going to be my second in command. You're going to be my go-to guy. So things look like they're turning around. And matter of fact, Joseph even has two sons. And Joseph says at the end of Genesis chapter 41, he says, man, I am so thankful to God that God has turned things around in my life. And I've actually been able to put my family issues behind me. And what did I tell you last week? I told you, I said, we want to do that sometimes, don't we? We want to just put some stuff behind us. That, that, that was in the past. I don't have to deal with that. Man, that's, let bygones be bygones, right? And you can even come in here and, and, and be a part of this family. But there, there may be times when God brings up something in your past that you've got to deal with. There, there may be things, and it may be brothers, sisters, aunts, uncle, whatever, where, where God says, in order for me to use you completely, we've got to deal with some stuff in your past. You've got skeletons in your closet, and we're fixing to bring them out of the closet, and they're fixing to dance around for us. And they do that in your heart, and they do that in your mind, and, and God starts doing some stuff in order for you to deal with some of the things in your past. Now, it, it's for, for a reason. It's for his glory and so that you can glorify him more. That's the reason God does that. You think, man, well, God, can't you just leave that? Man, I locked the door on that closet for a reason. I didn't really want to have to deal with that. And God says, yeah, but I, I have the keys. <laughs> I, I'm the one with the keys. And, and if I say that, that the door needs to be open, the skeletons need to come out in order for me to be able to use you the way you've asked me to use you. Because that's what we do, don't we? We pray, God, I want my life to glorify you. That's what, if you're a Christian, that's what you said. When you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, you said, God, I want my life to glorify you, not my, myself anymore. I want, I want everything about me to bring glory and honor to your son, Jesus Christ. And God says, okay. I got the keys to your life, and I got the keys to the skeletons in your closet, and if they need to come out, they're going to come out. And there's, there's some people in here that's got some stuff in their past, and maybe, just maybe, God wants you to deal with that today. Maybe, maybe just maybe there's something, uh, maybe it has something to do with your family, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's a friend or, 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 or somebody that you know, or maybe it's a coworker or, or a boss or somebody that you've just got to deal with some stuff in the past before you can, can move on and let God use you the way that God wants to use you. Now, what's, what's interesting is that I say that, and I can see the look on some of your faces. And you're like, nah, surely God's not going to do that. Surely, surely I've dealt with all the stuff in the past I needed to deal with, and, and I don't really have anything else I needed to deal with. Here's the thing about God. You may think that you're good. You may think, man, I am rock solid where I am. Man, I am doing good right now. Things are going great. I'm a part of the church. I'm, I'm serving, and I'm, I'm working my rear end off and, and all of that. Here's the thing about going to the next level with God. So many times in our life, in order to be able to, to go to the next level with God in our relationship with Him, He goes, well, but... I know, I know you think you're there, and I know you think you're doing good, but there's something else. There's something greater I have in store for you, and something greater I have in store for you to glorify me. And, and, and in order for us to get there, we've got to shed some of those outer layers that are still hanging on, hanging on to your, the cuffs of your pants and 
dragging you down and pulling you back and you're like, ah, but I don't really want that. When you ask God to use you to glorify him, I want you to understand what you're signing up for. I don't want to sell you some kind of watered-down relationship with Jesus. I want you to know that when you sign up and you say, yes, Jesus, I'm all in for what you have for my life, you are giving him the keys to the, to the closet that has the skeletons in it. And as you take those next steps with him and follow him in obedience, there are going to be times when you're forced to deal with some of that stuff in the past. And that's what we see here. Jacob, uh, excuse me, Joseph's on cloud nine going, man, everything is rocking and rolling and it's going good. Yeah, there's famine that's coming, but, but we're going to be able to take care of that because God showed me that we're going to have seven good years and then seven really bad years and we're going to be able to store up everything for seven years and it's going to be okay. We're going to make it through the seven bad years. It's going to be all right. And, and Pharaoh's put me in charge of some stuff. I got a wife. I got some sons. Man, things are going good. He says, he even says, I'm so thankful, man, that I'm able to put that family stuff behind me. I really believe this is foreshadowing to the fact that God goes, well, but I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you for something greater than you can even imagine, Joseph. And when I gave you the ability to interpret dreams, it was, it was showing you that, that you needed to be obedient to me. And, and, and Joseph has passed the test time and time again of just being obedient to God, being faithful to God. And when God gives him an opportunity, he just does what God says. And here we see Joseph taking this next step. He, the, the, the bad years have come. Famine sets in. Uh, it's not just in Egypt. It's all around, it and, and it gets pretty desperate around. I mean, people are, are starting to freak out a little bit because the cupboards are barren. Like, there's no canned goods. they they got no green beans in the cupboard. they got no, no, no venison that they killed and got stored in the deep freezer. None of that, man. Like, it's, it, it's bad. around. Everybody's looking at me like, did they have deep freezes back in Joseph's day? They did, but only in the land of Canaan. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. So things are getting bad. And finally, Jacob, even as stubborn as he is, he kind of he wakes up a little bit. And we, we're starting in uh, chapter 42. We've been going chapter by chapter, and that's, I don't know, that's just the way God has kind of led us. And I, I think that it's pretty cool that, that, that this is lined up with... Um, Father's Day. I didn't really think about the fact when we started this series that, it, that Father's Day was going to fall in the middle of it, but it's just turned out that way, and God knows what he's doing, and, and that's wonderful, and I'm so thankful for that, but it is cool that we're talking about this household having an extreme makeover, and it, Father's Day fell right in the middle of it. So in Genesis chapter 42, this is what we said. When Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his son, why are you standing here looking around at one another? I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we'll die. It's a pretty desperate situation, right? It's not going good in the house of Jacob right now. Well, what does that mean, Kenny? Who cares? That's great. Jacob didn't have any grain. Yeah, okay. What does that say to us? Joseph is still in the back of his father's mind. Joseph is still in the back of his Jacob's son's minds. He's, he's still there. Famine had to come into the land in order for them to start dealing with that again. He said, I heard there's grain in Egypt. Well, who's in Egypt? Joseph's in Egypt, right? He's in charge of distributing grain. Jacob says, we need to go to Egypt and get some grain. What is happening here? God has created famine in the land so that Jacob and the sons of Jacob can deal with 
with the fact that Joseph is still that skeleton that's in the closet. In your life, in my life, sometimes God will create famine in our lives so that we have to deal with the skeletons in our closet. There are times when, you know, you think, well, Kenny, look, bad stuff happens to everybody, whether they're doing stuff for God or not, and bad stuff, yes, that is true. But there are times, there are times when God needs to correct something in you, he needs to deal with something in you, and what he will do is he will create famine in your life in order for you to be able to deal with what's going on in the background, in the past, so that you can deal with that stuff. Now, now, what does famine look like for us? It can look like a ton of different things. It can look like sickness, death, losing somebody that's close to you, and you feel empty and alone. You ever had that sick feeling in your stomach when something bad happens? It almost feels like you're hungry, but you're not really hungry. That's the kind of famine I'm talking about. When things hurt so bad, it like takes your stomach and just twists it up in knots. That's the kind of famine sometimes God brings into our life so that we can deal with some stuff. And here, God's created famine in the land so Jacob's household could have an extreme home makeover. And Jacob looks at his boys and goes, I don't know what y'all are looking at. You're just standing around looking at each other. Why don't you go do something about it? We know where the food is. It ain't here. Let's go where the food is. That's brilliant, man. No, Jacob, he's got it going on, right? He's a genius. There ain't no food here. There's food over there. Why don't we leave from here and go there? You, wanna, <laughs> you know what he said to his sons? I, this is not in the scripture. This is the Kenny version. He slapped him in the head and said, you knucklehead. I really believe it. Like, you knucklehead, there's food over there. We ain't got none. Why don't you go get some? And you know what his son said? Oh. That's good thinking, Dad. Father's Day, right? Some of you fathers are identifying with this. Slap him in the head. Son, why aren't you using that brain God gave you? Come on. Let's get it together. Yeah, sorry. I just, <laughs> there have been times where I've had those moments with my daughter. I'm like, use it. Come on. I know you got one in there. Shake it, you know, something. Rattle it up, whatever it takes. Anyway, so, so Joseph's ten older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain. Hey, that's a good idea. I don't know where they got that idea from. Must have been their dad. So anyway, but Jacob wouldn't let J Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, go with them for fear that harm might come to him. So Jacob's sons arrived in Egypt along to, with others to buy food for a famine that was in Canaan as well. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was, uh, it was to him that his brothers came. For the, when they arrived, they, they bowed before him and their faces to the ground. Do you remember what Joseph had a dream about? Joseph told his brothers, he said, one day something's going to happen and you're going to bow down to me. And they're like, oh, you and your pretty little coat, I'm not bowing down to anybody. And, and, and here, what's happening? They're hungry, famine has come into their land, and now they're bowing down to Joseph, just like Joseph had predicted to his dream that God had given him. God was in charge of the famine, just like God was in charge of the dreams that Joseph had. And Joseph's been nothing but obedient to God. And sure enough, what, what God said was going to happen is what's happening here. They bowed down to the ground. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger with, and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from, he demanded. 
Can you imagine he's seeing his brothers for the first time in many, many years, and he looks at them, and he recognizes them. But they don't recognize him because he's like an Egyptian governor now, and he's probably got, like, his head shaved and wearing all the Egyptian stuff, and, like, you know, and, and he's like somebody from the mummy, and, and he, he's, he's looking at us, where are you from? Like, he doesn't already know. We're from the land of Canaan, and they reply, we have come to buy food. I mean, they're, they're bowing down to Joseph, Remember? Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him, and he remembered those dreams that he had about them many years before, and he said to them, You were spies! You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. No, my Lord, they exclaimed. Your, your servants have simply come to buy food. We are all brothers, members of the same family. We are honest men, sir. We are not spies. Yes, you are, Joseph insisted. You've come to see how vulnerable our land has become. Spies. Of all the things he could have accused them of, he chose spies. Why? Why? You ever ask yourself that question? Like, spies, that's weird, man. Maybe he just needed a good excuse, and spies, the first thing that popped into his head. Do you remember what Joseph's brothers said about him when he came to check on them in the fields? Do you remember what, what he They said, oh, you're... You're coming to be a spy for daddy. You're coming to spy on us and see how we're doing. See if we're... So what did they call Joseph? They called him a spy. The table has turned. Everything's completely different now. They come to Joseph because they need something from him. And what does he say? You're a spy. You're a spy. So you can see God at work here. You can see God's trying to show them how wrong they are. And he says, you're spies. And they're like, no, I'm not a spy. And I'm sure that's the way Joseph felt when he went out to look at, at what they were doing in the fields and how they were working. And, and he's like, I'm not a spy. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just doing this in obedience to my father. What are they doing? They're doing this in obedience to their father. They're going to get grain in obedience to their father. Same thing, but it's different now. The table has turned a little bit, and things are different now. Sir, they said, there are actually 12 of us. We are your servants, all brothers living in the same land of Canaan. Our youngest brother is back there with our father right now, and one of our brothers is no longer with us. But Joseph insisted. Now, you can imagine them having this conversation with Joseph. Joseph is like, yeah, I know where your other brother is. I got a pretty good idea. I, man, you know what? Y'all make fun of me for being sarcastic. There's some sarcastic stuff in here, too. Yeah, I know where the other brother is. But Joseph said, and sister, as, I, as I said, you are spies. This is how you will, I will test your story. I will swear by the life of Pharaoh that you will never leave Egypt unless the long, youngest brother comes here. And, uh, one of you must go and get your brother. I'll keep the rest of you here in prison. Then we'll find out whether or not your story is true. But the, but the life of Pharaoh, if it turns out that you're not, you don't have a younger brother, then I'll know you are spies. So Joseph put them all in prison for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I am a God-fearing man. If you do as I say, you will live. If you are really honest men, choose one of your brothers to remain in prison. The rest of you may go home with grain for your starving family. But you must bring your youngest brother back to me. This will prove that you are telling the truth and you will not die. To this they agreed. Now, Joseph is a godly man. 
right? Wouldn't we agree? We said that, you know, according to Scripture, you never really do anything that, doesn't, that seems to be ungodly. Well, if he's a godly man, when his brother showed up, shouldn't he just say, you know what? All is forgiven, brothers. It's okay. You sold me into slavery. I ended up going into prison and actually being on the verge of death because of what you did. But it's okay. All is forgiven. Don't don't worry about it. Don't, Don't you worry your little head about what you did to me. Is that what Joseph did? No. No. Why not? Why not? I believe there's two reasons. You want me to tell you what they are? I guess that's the reason you came today. You want me to tell you. So, the reason I believe, number one is, Joseph was simply being obedient to God. The Holy Spirit of God is speaking to Joseph, leading Joseph, talking to Joseph, showing him, this is what you need to do in this situation. I believe Joseph's still following God just like he always has. I believe God's speaking to Joseph, and Joseph's just trying in obedience to do what, what God would have him to do. Now, what do we think's happening here with, with his brothers? They're probably trying to learn. They're probably trying to have some skeletons be drug out of the, skeletons be drug out of the closet so they can deal with the fact that the, they, they led Joseph to being dead, or they thought he was dead. And, and, and they've they got to deal with that. And, and Joseph is just simply being obedient to God in that respect, allowing God to use him so that his brothers can be corrected so that Jacob's household can get an extreme makeover. But I believe there's something else that's going on here, too. I believe that that there's a time period for which somebody has to prove themselves. That that when when you you can offer somebody forgiveness, you can offer them grace, you can show them grace, you can let them back in, but you're talking a pretty drastic situation. They wanted him dead. They wanted Joseph dead. And, And should Joseph just say, oh, it's all good, man. I know you wanted to kill me, but it's all good right now. No, I believe that it takes some time for people to have to prove themselves to be worthy to come back into your life, to show their love for you once again. Because he doesn't know if they love him or not. All he knows is they're back because they need food. He doesn't know if they give a rip about him or not. All, all he knows is that he's back. And somebody's like, man, I thought we were supposed to just be forgiving just like that. Forgiveness is not something... <laughs> That just happens overnight. It can take some time, especially when situations are as drastic as they are here. Yeah, we're supposed to have a heart of this big churchy word, reconciliation, to be reconciled, to be, to be made right with one another, to, to welcome other people back. Absolutely. But sometimes it takes time and people have to prove themselves. Let's say somebody walks in the door today, has an automatic rifle and starts shooting everybody. Several people die, and I go to the prison to, to visit this person. Should I immediately say, hey, it's okay, man. It's all right. It's all right. Or should I give him some time and let God work on him and let God use me to work on him and, 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 and to show him where he was wrong, the things that he did was wrong, and, and one day, could, could that person who came in here with an automatic rifle and started shooting everybody up, could he come and be a part of this congregation? Or be a, a part of this congregation through prison ministry? It could happen. But it's going to take some time, ain't it? It's going to take some time. Now, Kenny, are you saying that, that we should 
we should do this every single time and, and, and be very slow to forgive people? Not necessarily. You do it if God tells you to. In obedience to God, as Christ is speaking to your heart, that's how you're supposed to do it. I believe that's what Joseph was doing. He's just listening to God. This is what God says you're supposed to do, so that's what he was doing. This is why walking in the Spirit and, and walking alongside with God every single day is so critically important that I talk about it all the time. It's because if you're supposed to be following God and how I'm supposed to deal with this situation and that situation, if, if you're not listening to God, you're not used to listening to God, how are you going to deal with those situations alone? All right, God, today I'm going to start listening to you. Man, it takes time. Get tuned into his voice. While things are going good, when things are great in your life, that's a great time to get tuned into his voice. That's a time to be focused on what Jesus has to say to you. When things are going great. So that when things go bad, you can say, all right, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? They agreed that, that they would all go back and they'd take grain to their family and that one of them would stay behind. Clearly speaking amongst, amongst themselves, they said, clearly we're we being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. Famine has come into the land. Hard times have come on the brothers. And you know what they start to think? This may be God at work because of what we did, what was in our past. This may be God showing us something. We saw his anguish when, we plead, when he pleaded for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in trouble. Sometimes I like the NLT version, man. You know, you read that in the King James, it ain't that plain. Listen to what they said. Clearly we're being punished for what we did to Joseph a long time ago. We saw his anguish and pleaded for his life. We wouldn't listen. That's why we're in trouble. It don't get any plainer than that, does it? We're having to deal with some stuff because it's in our past and we never dealt with it before. We sin not just against Joseph but against God, and now God is trying to show us that. <laughs> we got Reuben. He's going to speak up. Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, Reuben asked? But you wouldn't listen. And now we have to answer for his blood. Of course, they didn't know that Joseph understood them and speaking to them through an interpreter. Joseph knows what they're saying. He speak their language. He's acting like he can't, but he can listen to everything that they're saying. So Joseph starts getting his ear turned to the fact that God is working. God, God is pushing them toward repentance. And Joseph can see that now. I imagine that this is very, very traumatic for Joseph to hear his brothers now his brothers, who he thought that they just hated him and wanted him dead, now he's hearing them start to repent a little bit and talk about how they, they did him wrong. They did him wrong. And even hearing Reuben speak up and say, Man, I told you we shouldn't do that. Now he turned away from them and began to weep. When he regained his composure, he spoke to them again. Then he chose Simeon from among them and had him tied up right before their eyes. Joseph ordered his servants to fill a man's sacks with grain, but he also secret instructions to turn each brother's payment at the top of his sack. He also gave them supplies for the journey home, so the brothers loaded the donkeys with the grain and headed for home. But when they stopped for the night and one of them opened his sack to get the grain from his donkeys, found the money in the top of the sack. Look, he exclaimed to his brothers, my money has been returned. It's here in my sack. 
Then their hearts sank, trembling. They said to us, said to each other, What has God done to us? They're scared to death because now it looks like they've stolen the grain. Like they never really took, took, gave money for the grain that they took. And now they're like, oh no, this ain't going to go good for us. This is a guy that put us in prison for three days. This is the one who, 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 who's accused us of being spies. And, and now we got the money that we were supposed to pay for the grain. We've got the money and the grain. This is not going to go so well for us. When the brothers came back to their father, Jacob, in the land of Canaan, they he told, they told him everything that had happened to them. The man who is governor of the land spoke to, very harshly to us. They told him. Hey, he was justified to speak harshly to them, by the way. They tried to kill him, all right? Sold him into slavery. He had reason. He had cause to be a little bitter towards them, okay? He accused us of being spies and scouting the land, uh, but we said, we are honest men, not spies. We are 12 brothers, sons of one father. One brother is no longer with us, and the younger son is at home with our father in the land of Canaan. And then, the man, then the man who is governor of the land told us, this is how I'll find out if you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take the grain for your starving families and go home. But you must bring your youngest brother back to me. Then I will know you are honest men and not spies. Then I will give uh, you back your brother, and you may trade freely in the land. As they emptied their sacks, each one of the... As they emptied out their sacks, there in each man's sack was a bag of money he had paid for the grain. The brothers and their father were terrified when they saw the bags of money. Jacob exclaimed, you are robbing me of my children. Joseph is gone, Simeon is gone, and now you want to take Benjamin too? Everything is going against me. Why are y'all not smiling? Why are y'all not smiling? Jacob just said... Everything is going against me. Who had a right to say that everything is going against me in this family? It wasn't Jacob. It was Joseph. My brothers hated me. Yeah, my dad loved me, but he gave me a coat so that my brothers would hate me even more. They, they threw me into a well, sold me into slavery. I nearly died because of them. They, they lied to my father and told him that, that I was really dead. And Jacob, and everything's going against me. Everything's going against me. As a father, Jacob has some responsibility for what happens in his family. Yeah, Jacob was an idiot in a lot of ways because, you know, he basically set the other sons up against Joseph by doing some of the stuff that he did. But in reality, I mean, Joseph was just falling in obedience to God when he interpreted the dreams and told him what the dreams are saying. Yeah, that compounded the problem, but God's orchestrating something in the background the whole time. Because Joseph being in Egypt is the reason that Jacob's family is going to live. They got grain now as a result of Joseph. They got, they're going to be able to eat and survive because of where Joseph is. Yes, man, there were bad things that happened along the way, but, but God the Father was orchestrating things to take care of Jacob's family, even though Jacob did some stuff he shouldn't have. Jacob has some personal responsibility for what's going on here, and I believe God is using this particular situation to kind of shape up Jacob as well. 
The, the thought of, of losing another son, he, he's, like, he's like, you had to leave one son back there to come back to me to, to tell me that, that we, we, we got to bring the youngest son. He said, man, you're going to just dwindle my family down to nothing. I'm losing everything. There's some times in your life where you're going to feel that way. And man, it's just been one bad thing after another, after another, after another. But it really, it really boils down to this. It really boils down to you trusting your Father who is in heaven. You, you trusting His sovereign hand, His control over the whole earth, and how He holds the, 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 the waters of the earth and the empties of His hands, the hollows of His hands. That same God being in control of every single aspect and saying, God, I trust you. I don't necessarily see everything that you're doing right now, but I trust you when, when, when I'm starving, when I'm hungry. I trust you when, when there's junk in my past that I need to deal with. I just trust you because you're my father. That your ways are so much higher than my ways. That even though I'm an idiot in so many situations, God, I put my total faith and trust in you. Listen to me, dads. That's the way we need to be living our lives. Recognizing that we're so inept, so unable, so, we don't have any ability within ourselves and going, but, but I'm going to be pursuing God, walking with God, listening to God so that I can lead my family the right direction. Jacob's not a sterling example of who we're supposed to, to be looking at here. Joseph is the example of what we're supposed to. What was the difference here, man? Joseph's just remaining obedient to God in every single step of the way. Even when it came to the area of forgiveness, Joseph was still following God's direction there. And because of that, because of that, God is at work in Joseph's life, doing amazing things in Joseph's life, Look, showing him the, 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 the possibility of restoration with his brothers because his brothers have just said that, Hey, look at what we've done wrong to Joseph. We're being punished because of this. And Reuben even steps up and says, man, I told y'all not to do it. So, so God's at work in Joseph's life. God's at work in his brother's lives because they recognize that God's trying to deal with some stuff in their life. And now we see God at work in Jacob's life, trying to shake him up so he can see God at work too. I, I hope that your perspective on the things that come into your life is just like this. You know, we look for everything in the world as reasons or causes or whatever for why bad things happen. Or, and, you know, we'll go, well, the devil did it. Satan did it. And, yeah, that's entirely true. If you look at the book of Job, yeah, Satan did. He caused heartache to come into the life of Job. And he, and he lost everything because Satan was allowed to do it. But just like in the book of Job, God was still in control. Satan couldn't do anything that God didn't allow him to do. So instead of pointing the finger at Satan, the, the devil did it. The, Satan is the one that's doing that. We need to trust in the almighty control of an all-powerful God that Satan can't do anything outside of, of God's allowing him to. And we need to recognize that God Almighty may be trying to correct something in us, let us deal with something in our past so he can use us for his glory and our good. And you know what we need to do? Be faithful. Be obedient like Joseph. We'll wrap up Genesis 42 this way. 
<laughs> then Reuben said to his father, You may kill my two sons if I don't bring you Benjamin, don't bring Benjamin back to you. I'll be responsible for him, and I promise to bring him back. But Jacob replied, My son will not go down with you. His brother Joseph is dead, and he is all I have left. If anything should happen to him on your journey, you would send this grieving white-haired man to his grave. Sounds like to me that Jacob's still got some stuff to learn, doesn't it? He's like, Joseph's already dead. You're wanting to take his brother Benjamin, the youngest one. You're wanting to take him too? And Reuben said, you know what? If something happens to Benjamin, you can have, you may my two sons die. Reuben is being sacrificial in, in his love for his father. He's saying, no matter what happens, I'm going to be committed to doing what I say I'm going to do. Let me ask you something, dads, children of God, followers of Jesus Christ. Is that your level of commitment to your promises that you make to God? Is that, is that your, 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 your extent of your commitment when you, when you make a commitment to Jesus Christ? Say, God, I'm so committing my life to do this. God, you've called me to this particular thing. You've called me to, to this particular area, and I, I'm going to be obedient sacrificially to you. And God, if I don't honor my commitment to you, may you take my sons and my daughters. Have you ever been that committed in the words that you've spoken to God? Have you ever made a commitment that strong and said, you know what, God, no matter what, I want to be obedient to you. Even if that means that I have to, to give up my son or my daughter in obedience. My word is so committed to what I'm saying that, that I, I, I will be willing to give up my children in order to be able to, to complete my promises to you. That's how much it matters. You know what the beauty of that is? That was his promise to us. Through his son, Jesus Christ, he said, he said, I'm so committed to having a relationship with you as, son, as, as father and as child. I'm so committed to that that I'm willing to give up my son in order to make that happen. What about our commitment to him? What does it look like in the face of that? We make such empty promises. Say, so God, you've spoken to my heart, and I, I'm going to walk with you, and I'm, I'm going to be right there with you. And, and, and we make these empty promises sometimes, and God says, but I didn't make an empty promise to you. I was so committed to, to having a relationship with you that I gave my one and only son for you. Even in the midst of your filth and your nastiness and all the things you've done to break my heart, I still said, you know what? I want a relationship with you so much I'm willing to give my son in exchange for all your filth. That's the beauty of the gospel. I think that we end, end this particular chapter with Reuben making this sacrificial offering to his dad. And I think that speaks volumes to us as, as God is doing things in our life and, and God's trying to show us stuff and correct us of stuff and bring stuff up to our attention that we need to deal with. 
If we're going to make a commitment to God, don't make it an empty promise. Make it one that is, is so committed that you're, you're willing to, to put your, your son on the altar and say, you know what, if I don't, if I don't complete this in obedience to you, God, I'll, I'll sacrifice him right here. I'll sacrifice him right here. Does that sound like a story that you're familiar with? Abraham and Isaac. How committed are you, really, genuinely, to your obedience to Christ? How committed are you to doing what God would have you to do and not what you want to do? I know it's painful to bring those things in the past that God needs to deal with. I know it's painful to bring those to the surface. You may have struggled for years to keep them suppressed so you didn't have to deal with them. Are you committed to God in such a way, God, no matter how painful it is, I want you to deal with what you need to deal with in my life. Father God, thank you so much for your word and how you challenge us. Lord, I know that there's hurting people in this place. God, for whatever reason, maybe they feel like famine has come into their land. Maybe famine has come into their life in such a way that it just feels devastating and there's no way out. Oh Lord, may we take this time to reflect on what you're doing. God, to recognize that the sovereign hand of God is at work in our lives. And Lord, though it may not be easy, though it may be extremely difficult, God, sometimes we just need to see what we can learn from a particular situation, God, so that you might be able to do surgery on us. You might be able to rip things out of our heart that don't belong there. God, you might be able to, to, to use maybe our past or our history, God, in order to be able to, to reach somebody for your glory. Maybe it's because they've heard or they've been devastated in the same way. And God, you, we just want to say to you, God, what can you show us? What can we learn? And then as you call us, as you call us, Lord, to a greater relationship with you, to a deeper understanding of who you are, may we be obedient. May we be sacrificially obedient to you. God, it's, it's easy to lay down our own lives, but are we willing to lay down the lives of our sons and our daughters in order to, to hold our commitment to you, to make a covenant with you, our almighty Father? I'm so incredibly overwhelmed that that was your commitment to me, that you laid your son down and sacrificed him. Lord, in order to, to keep your promise to all of us, promise that, that we can be reconciled to you. We, we can be in, made in agreement with you. Our, our sins can be washed away. God, thank you, Father, for that promise and that sacrifice you made for each and every one of us. God, may we not take this time lightly. May you work in our lives. God, whether it's our families that, that need to be reconstructive and need an extreme home makeover, God, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that we would just be obedient. Thank you so much for speaking to our hearts. Thank you so much, God, for your son. For it's in his name I do pray. Amen. Will everyone please stand?